You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me tonight is freelance writer Julian Murdoch. Hello, hello, hello. Dr. Bruce Garrick. Fortunately, Tom Chick's not here, so I get to talk more. Yes, uh, this is the first uh, ever episode without Tom Chick, so now I'm the only one with a perfect record. So, sitting in Tom's chair tonight as a special guest, we have uh, Deslock, former columnist, for RPG columnist for PC Gamer, and you still do freelance writing for them, I believe. Is that right? I do indeed. Hello, listeners. <laughs> it's like it's like Last Magazine Standing. It's like a reality TV show. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how long it has to go. That's because Julian's never written for them. I know, I know. I promise I'll stay away. I've never written for them either, and I don't think Troy has either. No. And that's the secret of PC Gamer success. There you yeah. go. I've put your names on a list, so. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot on sight. Yes, got it. <laughs> License to kill. Uh, Deslock's uh, presence here is not coincidental. It is... Related to our topic tonight, which is role-playing mechanics in strategy games, uh, the strategy RPG hybrid, and vice versa, strategy mechanics and tactical mechanics in role-playing games. Uh, for many years, Desklock has been, uh, at least for me, the final word in role-playing game writing. Even when he's wrong, he at least makes a good case as to why Hellgate is worth playing, right, Desklock? <laughs> I like Hellgate. <laughs> The strategy uh, RPG hybrid is one of the most common, uh, very common hybrid. You don't, there aren't many shooter strategy hybrids, but lots of RPG strategy games. Um, so that's not true. What about Stalker? Is Stalker a strategy game? I mean, Tom would say so. Tom thinks everything is a strategy game, though. I know. I just threw that out there. That's fine. Go ahead. Uh. So how do we want to define a role-playing game? We want to define strategy games. That's like, what for you makes a role-playing game a role-playing game? To me, that will help. I mean, to me, a role-playing game is the ability to role-play a personalized character of your own choosing. Um, so essentially being allowed to do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, and, and the more non-linearity and freedom to do so. So the more you can customize your own experience really the, the the more the deeper the role playing game is so so in other words a libertarian game do whatever the hell you want get out of my way <laughs> well, i didn't say there wouldn't be consequences to doing that <laughs> <laughs> it's really just the freedom the freedom to the freedom to make choices well but but do you so so but but do you think that having an individualized character is a is a critical component cuz i was going to say my one of my discriminators would be i'm playing one guy or girl as the case may be or alien as the case may be uh as opposed to many strategy games where you're actually not playing an individual you are the sort of deus ex machina for you know a thousand units at a time well, in Baldur's Gate you play five people so what do you do with that well, that's a good question. Six. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
but but Baldur's Gate, for instance, is an RPG game that obviously originated. It is an adaptation of D and D, which are which, and in Dungeons and Dragons, you're originally supposed to play just one character. So I think right. I think the analogy is correct. But I, I mean, I, I think you can you can have. Uh, I, I actually personally like multi-character RPGs. I just treat each character as not necessarily an alter ego, but as a distinct individual, and and he's having his own little journey through life. <laughs> so so You're let me all- let me immediately turn the question on its head then and say I, I'm trying to come up with any RPGs that I played that I actually gave a crap about that weren't in fact highly strategic at some level where at least there wasn't at least a combat system that required some strategic thinking or at least some tactical common sense. Uh, so, so sort of so I mean e- even when you play something like Fallout. Right, which is a you know really sort of a first-person shooter shooter RPG hybrid. Um, even there, uh, you know, I I find myself having to think about situations certainly strategically. So how 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 broad are we going to cast the net here before I get in trouble? Well, I'm, I'm, and I, th- I definitely think strategy and RPG games have you know have a lot of overlap. I mean, I think in part that goes back to the the origins of the genre where first RPG was Dungeons and Dragons and that evolved from a, from a strategy. From chainmail, right. From yeah, chainmail. chainmail. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are certainly RPGs that, that don't or didn't do combat particularly well or, or, or make it particularly strategic. I, I mean, I think a prime example of that is, would be the Ultima games, which were much loved. Sure. <laughs> by sure. But they, their combat basically sucked in, in, in all their games. And it's the same with like Morrowind. Morrowind's combat was pretty lame. It got better in Oblivion and certainly a lot better in Fallout 3. So Bethesda's kind of moving in the right direction for fans of strategic combat. But I I don't think it's a prerequisite for an RPG. I think it, it makes an RPG a more interesting game, but it's not, it doesn't make it necessarily a better role playing game. Well, what do you do then with stuff like, um, like for example, XCOM? Because I mean, I think everybody sees XCOM as a strategy game, but a lot of people see it also sort of as a role-playing game because you get these characters that you know you sort of develop. Um, I would actually, I don't really think XCOM is much of a as much of a role-playing game, but uh, the Jagged Alliance series for sure. You had uh, you know characters that didn't get along with one another. You had like weird stuff happen if you had you know. Uh, I don't know, Grunty and one of the other uh, characters in the in the same uh, you know same team. So, uh, but the, but the basically the, the whole focus of that was uh, was the combat, which was the strategy part of it. So, I mean, how much of those actually? How much of, how much do those games count as role playing games? Well, in in my opinion, the uh, I mean, XCOM I think isn't a, isn't a role playing game at all. I mean, it's just a game where units get additional. Uh, grow in strength as uh, as you play, mm-hmm. you know, kind of similar to you know the Panzer General games in a, in a way. They're not those aren't you know some people consider that an RPG trait, and obviously most RPGs do have do develop characters do develop in strength over the course of the game. So, but they're not. Sure, but you're not, but, you're not, but you can turn to any like you know any old board game that had a campaign you know mode and there was always unit advancement i mean that's really what we're talking about is experience right. and unit advancement and things like that and i you know i don't i don't think that that that's enough to push something into the realm of being a true rpg i mean to some extent to me as a player it's about how invested i get in those characters you know do i do i actually give a crap what happens to them i get pretty invested in the third armored division let me tell you that <laughs> 
Bruce gets pretty invested in the sack man in Little Big Planet, though. So. Don't mess with my sack boy. <laughs> Don't mess with my sack. Uh, you know, if Tom Chick were here, he would be very disappointed in you. The, uh, but I think Jagged Alliance is a good, is a really good example of, a, of an example of a game that's really a true hybrid between a strategy game and an RPG. Because I, I do think that game is is much more of an RPG in in both the way the campaign is set up and the way the characters evolve. It really isn't that different a game than Fallout, for instance. The, we're talking about the older Fallouts by by Interplay, right? You know, the combat's certainly similar. Characters similar. We all miss that game, Jagged Alliance. <laughs> I love that game. Well, I mean, so it, it strikes me that the the, mo- the clearest hybrids here are really sort of in the slightly more in the Japanese vein. You know, if we're talking about things like, I mean, the most recent example that I've played and and, and really loved was probably Jean d'Arc. Um, but you can go back to Fire Emblem. Uh, I mean, to some ex- to some extent, even things like Advance Wars, uh, Freedom Force. I mean, these are all games that had certainly character development, unit development components to them, and they were definitely telling a story, right? I mean, all of those are none of those are games that are really designed to be played like played like one on one. They really have elaborate single player games that involve developing characters over the course of a story. I, ironically, I actually generally don't like those games all that much. John Dark was a bit of an exception. I mean, did you guys play that? Yeah, I, I don't really consider them to be RPGs, to be honest. I, I, and I know some people do. Uh, to me, because for the simple fact that there's no real role playing, there's no there's no personalization other than you can maybe choose a few traits. But they're really more interactive stories that have where you where, that, where you press a few buttons and you can change a few stats. But otherwise, it's a uh, it's a very linear, interactive story. With frankly, they're probably better as strategy adventures. I, I guess I would kind of categorize. That's the that's an interesting way to put it. I agree. Strategy adventures, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. There we go. We have a new we have a new uh, new genre right there. New genre. That's really my view on Japanese RPGs and and certainly games like Fire Emblem, which you mentioned as well. So there haven't been very many good uh, strategy RPGs in the RTS world. There Do you agree been. with that? There, there have been. There have been. Rage of Mages, for instance, is an example of of a pretty good, uh, pretty good one. At least the first Rage of Mages was pretty decent. I'm not familiar with Rage of Mages. Yeah, that, that's. I remember that. I think I either reviewed that for. I might have reviewed that for Games Domain, or no. I played it anyway. Yeah, that was that's a great call on that. So one. your review was seventeen pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a good call on that one. Okay. So could you describe Rage of Mages for the uninitiated like myself? What makes it so special? Well, why don't you go ahead, Bruce, with your seventeen-page review? Condense uh, it for us. I, I don't I don't remember it that well, but I, I remember it was well. You you go ahead. I I this is your this is the special desk launcher. Well, I mean it, it's, <laughs> I mean it it it, it was. Uh, it was generally a strategy game, kind of along the lines of like Heroes of Might and Magic, but it was, but it definitely had little quests that were developed a little more than uh, than, that, than those sorts of games, and emphasized they emphasized more kind of standard RPG gameplay. Mm-hmm. Combined with a strategic overlay. Well, it was a three D. It was at the well, it was like a isometric, like three quarter perspective, right? As I recall. 
Yeah. Okay. But it was still a sprites. I mean, that was not a 3D game. It was a it was a 2D game. Yeah, that's like ten years old, I think. Yeah, yeah, and then and then of course, uh, um, well, that was real time. What was the other one? Lords of Magic. That that had a, that had a, that had a role playing aspect to it, didn't it? Remember Lords of Magic? Lords of never, Magic. Never played it. What's with all these fantasy role playing tropes in my strategy games? Yeah, well, what other kind of role playing is there? Oh, I don't know. Steve got something there. There was Arcanum. Arcanum, that was a great game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But we're just cooking with energy tonight, aren't we? <laughs> we're, rocking, we're rocking it out. Well, you were talking about, about uh, you were talking about uh, uh, the whole the whole idea of strategy in uh, in uh, in role playing games, and it just it just it just seems to me like strategy for me. I mean, I think Diablo is a good strategy role-playing game because there's a lot of strategy in in, in building your character. Like anytime you have to, anytime you have ex- experience points and levels, and you have to build a character, there's a certain amount of strategy to it. And uh, I know people don't. I mean, Deathlock, that wouldn't they wouldn't. I mean, I know you, you took a lot of issue with uh, Diablo being called a role-playing game in the first place, right? Well, it's an action RPG. Okay, <laughs> but. I have my own genres for everything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was about to say, doesn't this start splitting the splitting the lines a little bit much? I mean, I have a problem when people call WoW a role playing game, you know, because to me, WoW is a, syst- a system optimization puzzle. You know, I mean, it, it, there's almost no role playing involved in WoW. It's all about system optimization. You know, I consider well, it some. They also say that you roll up a character in WoW, and there's no rolling at all because you, all your your <laughs> traits are exactly the same. Right, you always start out exactly the same, and so it's purely about how well do you understand essentially the math behind the engine, which frankly is exactly the same as playing a game of Civ Four, right? It's about optimizing the engine. I think I think a game like WoW is 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 different in that you can play it a variety of different ways. There certainly are people who who play it as a as a more pure role playing game. There's role playing servers, for instance. Um, and other people, obviously, they just you know want to optimize their leveling as quickly as possible, and you know figure out the algorithm for the game and 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 break it and ruin their fun entirely. <laughs> That's Bruce. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, there's another game that I think that uh, I can't get away, uh, can't get through a whole podcast without mentioning, and that's I've, I've tried to get Stefan to play it, and he won't do it, but. Uh, uh, called uh, Dominions 3. I don't know if you guys have heard of that game. <laughs> yeah, I think, Tom's, I think Tom heard about it once, but has kind yeah. of given up. Yeah, probably. God, you guys need to turn in your turns, by the way. Um, the uh, I think that game is a role-playing game because of all of the backstory in the game. You can try to figure out you know, where the uh, you know where the different non-elf characters really need to go and need to do and what they need to explore. <laughs> but... Uh, but I, mean, I really think that that's a role playing game, and I, I'm I'm very curious to see what uh, what Stefan thinks when he finally. Uh, well, well, given the fact that he's been trying that lame argument on me for three years now, and yeah, I still haven't still hasn't worked. Still so hasn't worked. Never, probably never gonna. You, you pretty well, much have my opinion yeah, on there. The, you on, go. on the there veracity you go. of that argument. There well, no, I I think it's a good. I mean, when I reviewed it for my blog, I mean that I called it a role playing game uh, explicitly. In fact, I called it one of the best role playing games that ever played because you do connect uh, with your. I mean, you control an army and you control nations, but it's really about uh, your your de- your demigod, your lord, your 
big oh, boss dude. Ah, uh, you're totally reaching. Are you serious? I am not totally reaching. No, not at all. Much did Bruce. So favor. tell me, tell me about the complicated character development and story arc of your demigod. I mean, really? Why does it be a story arc? Sometimes you have to have an. Let's say you have an immobile pretender that doesn't. First of all, let's even an immobile pretender that's like in prison, so it doesn't show up until like twenty turns into the game, I and mean, you have to think about like what he's doing before that time, and then he shows up, and then he's immobile, so he can't move. So he ha- probably has a lot of like things to think about because he has a lot of spare time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what? When I'm playing, when I'm playing like Forza Two, I'm always thinking about like the role playing aspects of my driver because clearly he must be getting all the hot chicks, and that would be great. And you know, I wonder what his contract negotiation with Saab was like. So it's totally a role playing game, right? I agree. I, I, I connect that many levels. So. <laughs> I mean, I I I want to go back to this whole character development thing because I mean, I kind of think character development and building up uh, characters through experience is really the epitome of what a role playing game yes, mechanic. Yes, I agree. I agree. The role playing mechanic is, if I mean, you don't uh, agree. Dominions. Do you agree with the fact that you you want to be really like in in tune and in touch with your with your character? That's what you think. You just said that's what you think. Now you're changing what you think. Do he's I think that? But he's a complicated man. He changes. Uh, uh, I, I contain. Uh, I contain. I contain multitudes. Yeah. I thought that's what Julian said. That he did. Like he. It's how much. How much you connect with your character. Oh, no, that's, that's what I said. I said. Yes. I right. to me a, a major driving force of whether a, a, I think a, a game is being a good role playing experience is how invested I am in the character. And to right. me, that means the character has to have something of a story arc that I give a crap about. And often I, I, it helps to feel like I helped build that character. So there are certainly plenty of games where you have minimal control over your character at all. And so calling it a role-playing game is a little bit facetious. I mean, Bioshock, great story, invested in the character that I am, zero control. Of course, that's kind of the point of that story. Um, or, or something like Planescape Torment, one of my favorite sort of traditional old box RPGs of all time, which again, you have very little control over your character development that. That story is about discovering who you already were, not about who you're going to become. Um, but the story is what made that compelling for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on, on character development, I would say that it's, it's it's an important characteristic of an RPG, maybe even a prerequisite, but its its presence alone doesn't make a game an RPG. Right. Sure. But if we're talking about hybrid games, you know, the spillover of mechanics... Uh, yeah, it's definitely an RPG feature, I would say. Right. That. So what about my new favorite game, Dwarf Fortress? Is that a role-playing game? I actually, I was, I was wondering if you were going to get to that. I actually, um, when I when I did my original like review of that, I actually called it a role playing game because I found myself becoming very invested in the lives of certain of my dwarves, and 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 I think that that's one of the subtle things that that game does that, frankly, I don't think a lot of people dig into. That there is a tremendous amount of character development that happens in the lives of those individual dwarves, and you can poke at any one of those, you know, hundred guys you have running around, and there's a whole story behind them that changes based on their experiences, which I think is part of the genius of that game, frankly. Well, who are we to judge their subterranean culture? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, so how about King of Dragon Pass? Is that a role playing game? I've never played it. 
Never played King of Dragon Pass? No, I haven't. Oh my god. You need to find a you need to find a copy of King of Dragon Pass. I will yes. turn my gamer card at the door. Troy, have you played King of Dragon Pass? I have played King of Dragon Pass. Yes. The role playing game? No. You get invested <laughs> in the story. I don't care if I get invested in the story. Oh, that's right. That's that's one of you. I can just keep figuring out who like what you think and what Julian thinks and where you guys. Do we sound? Fighting. Do we sound yeah, that I, much alike? There, I mean, there are our stories are getting getting invested. I get invested in lots of stories that have very little to do with role playing, whether I'm controlling the character or not. Lots of good shooters. All right. TV invested, shows, we'll movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but no, I think King of Dragon Pass isn't really a role playing game because the characters are. Some of them develop, some of them don't. It's a it's an it's a town management game. It's kind of a top down empire city builder thing. Yeah, um, too. But uh, do you think do you think it's a role playing game? Or a role playing stra- I mean, it has role playing elements, but uh, certainly not as many as I would say Dwarf Fortress has, or an XCOM. I think it I think it totally satisfies uh, Deslock's uh, prime directive of role playing games, which is that it allows you to play a role. No, no, no. That that's that's a mischaracterization. Oh, mischaracterization. I mean, almost any game you allow it would be an RPG if you if you exactly. That's if, where I was going with that. So, no, like, a, you, Quake isn't a RPG because you're role playing a, a space brain. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, important. You're you're ignoring an important part of the definition, which, which is, is that it's a it's a you're you're playing character of your, a personalized character of your own choosing. So you have a personalized experience. And a personalized character. Okay. All right. Okay. As long as we have that straightened out. Okay. That's fine. We can move. Which on. is why Dominion's Three is the perfect role-playing strategy hybrid. Yes, I agree. Well, you're so full of shit. I think Jagged Alliance is. Yeah, Jagged Alliance. Jagged Alliance is the best example. Yeah. All right, we'll go with Jagged Alliance. Or, or on the other side, I mean, to take a game that's mainly an RPG, but I think has very strong, at least tactical combat. Type strategy elements would be, you know, like Temple of Elemental Evil or any Dungeons and Dragons game. Like, oh well, sure, of course, right. You know, those are all. I mean, all those turn-based role-playing games like that, I think, are definitely strategy hybrids to some extent because there's such a. I mean, as as we at the beginning of the show, I mean, the, the like you know the D and D rules came out of uh, the chainmail rules, which were basically a you know strategy sort of. Simul- medieval simulation miniatures rule set. So uh, you know anything with that kind of uh, that kind of lineage is going to be is, is going to have a significant strategy element. And you're going to have to you know. Um, uh, but I mean, at the same time, I would say that uh, that a lot of like, for example, World of Warcraft is a strategy game, uh, and I think we already had that discussion just now, so we don't need to take it any further. But it just shows you how all this stuff sort of blends together and and. Um, and, uh, I mean, I... My you, favorite, you lost your point? No, yeah, I pretty much lost my <laughs> point. My, what I was going to try to get back to my point was that uh, uh, my favorite uh, game, my actually my favorite role-playing game of all time is the uh, party creation uh, aspect of Icewind Dale, where you just <laughs> make different parties and, yep. and, and roll different characters and then make a party and then blow it up and just start over again. Yeah, for, for about you know, a week, I... Mean, I, 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 I sorry, I, I was going to say, I remember when I got... Uh, Bruce to try that game, and for about a week he'd email me every day going, "This game is great." Today I created uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. four dwarfs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
He never got back past the first room, but for a week he, yeah. said, he said he really thanked me for the recommendation. Yeah, it was great. Oh, I loved it. It was just fantastic. I would just make I would make all these different parties and name all the characters and give them like all their you know figure out all the optimization all the traits. And this guy, would, you know, this party would have like an illusionist, and this guy, this party would have a you know uh, a bard or whatever thing. But it just that's as far as I ever got with that. They're still on his Facebook friends list. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but but you know what? That, I mean, all kidding aside, to some extent, mm-hmm. there there are plenty of examples of role playing games where the act of creating the character is, in essence, the most fun part of the game. I mean, the the, the classic example to me is Traveler. I don't know whether any of you ever played Traveler, but Traveler yeah, was yeah, an old your whole like, character's entire career, basically. Yeah, basically, you could sit there by yourself with the whole first book of Traveler, and you you could spend a, a very rewarding evening essentially making the story of your character as part of rolling up the character. And honestly, that was by far the best part of the game. And I probably made 50 Traveler characters and spent 10 hours playing Traveler in my life. And, 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 but, but you know what? That, that is what's different about that really than playing Fallout and developing your character over the course of the first 20 hours of that game. I mean, really, it's, you're, you're making decisions about what, what you want to do and how you want to specialize, uh, mm. with some risks along the way and some dice rolls along the way. And the fact that that's a solitary experience in Traveler and, uh, solitary experience in Fallout 3, what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, okay, I agree with you. Oh my god, somebody write this date down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there was also, you also could buy like extra books, right? Because there was like High Guard. Oh my was, god, I had all of them, yeah. There was yeah. a bazillion, bazillion books. Yeah. And it's been remade about a dozen times. Yeah. Steve Jackson original, did a GURPS version of it, which is by far the best. We're talking about, the, about the, the original like black box with Free Trader Beowulf on the front, right? Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. It's funny how all those uh, there were so many old RPGs like that that were that that had really strong strategy elements. I mean, we talked about D and D and Chainmail Connection, but there was also you know like Gamma World and and yes. Boot Hill. Remember that? Boot one? Hill. Yes. Oh, yeah. Boot Hill. I really wish it was the Boot Hill game because I mean that 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 was a, that was a great fun combat system and. And that was all done on a, on a like a, on a grid, right? Yep. Of the yep. town. Yep. That was awesome. And then there was then the, well to round out all those old TSR games, there was Top Secret. But uh, then there were games like Aftermath, uh, which were uh, uh, which had you know amazingly complex combat systems. And that game basically, you know, if you got shot once, you were basically dead. Um, Aftermath was one of them. And I'm thinking of whatever the Twilight 2000. That was that was a very very uh, tactical. Um, role playing games, I recall. I think that was you know, the TSR one. So, uh, Bushido. Um, boy, I'm thinking. I might run out of names. Yeah, well, I actually played. I've actually played like a full campaign of Top Secret, and I have to tell you, that was a really solid game. But now we're way off track. Way yeah. off track. That was very strategic. A good uh, a good upcoming RPG that has uh, you know, strategic combat is Dragon Age, which is you know spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate, but not uh, not using the D and D rules. And uh, 
I think it'll appeal to a lot of strategy game fans. Now have you based. played have, have you played that yet? I saw you twit that you'd uh, gotten it for your birthday a couple days ago. I can't talk about Fight Club. I'm under NDA, but uh, it'll be in an upcoming review at PC Gamer. But but I will say, I I did play it before I got it, um, a few weeks before that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I was really impressed with the combat and and its strategic nature. It does very much feel like Baldur's Gate 2. You know, just little fun little things like you'll run into a group. Uh, into a room and there'll be a bunch of characters and some will pull out bows and and rather than just let you chop them to pieces they'll they'll run and try and get some height and range from you and and you know they'll split up so that you can't attack them all at once so little little neat little strategic elements like that tactical elements I guess that's strategy I think all games could be I think, I mean, Bioware has always done, I think, the tactical uh, side of role-playing games very well. I remember Baldur's Gate 2, where so many of the battles boiled down to your mage versus their mage, taking down one defense after another, uh, which attack do you get in, how much time do you have to get the attacks in, uh, proper positioning of your troops, and I loved all of that. And that really, I think, helped make the game come alive more so than the story did. Uh, was realizing, you know, I am actually facing some pretty high-level opponents here with high-level powers, and a lot of people complained it was the same stuff over and over again, but I actually liked that uh, kind of mage duel stuff. Yeah, you could never sleepwalk through the combat either. I mean, you it really put your strategic and tactical abilities to the test, or you just get creamed, like right, I said. Right, If you didn't gear up the appropriate counter-defense. Okay. So anyway, I think I think Dragon's Age will appeal to a lot of people who, who like that kind of game and strategy fans should definitely keep what's, it in mind. What's the release date on that? It's going to come out. It's concurrent re- release for consoles and PC in December, early December. Put that on the list. There'll be a link to that at the bottom of this podcast. A link to the Amazon page. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, oh, we'll see. Awesome. So. <laughs> Well, uh, so you're the host, right? Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think of a, trying to think of a segue here. Uh, so when we look at the uh, mixture of role-playing games and strategy games, I, I mean, you know, the gaining of experience, character development—that's the most common one. And are there other mechanics that you think? should be borrowed from role-playing games that really aren't being used, either by strategy or shooters, games that stuff you see is essential to the role-playing game that you think is missing from a lot of other genres. What can other genres learn from the RPG? Um, I think non-linearity. I mean, and and giving people a little more choice about how to proceed in either you know a campaign and or 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 to get from a goal to you know one way or another. I mean, some definitely some strategy games have some of those components, but I think I think that adds a lot of interest and, and that kind of personalized experience adds replayability and, and I think would make me more interested in a lot of strategy games. You think strategy games are are, are too linear? No, well, I mean, I mean, strategy game campaigns often are. Right. Right. Like right. in an and, in an RTS and all that, they're terrible, terrible story-based campaigns. 
Right. Well, and, and something even like something like Dawn of War 2, which deliberately tried to make you care about individuals because you had so few units and you had leaders for each one of your units. Um, you know, there was definitely this attempt to make you think, oh, well, this is my dude, whatever the hell his name is, and I'm going to give him these abilities and I'm going to give him this kind of equipment and, and try to help you get invested in those characters. The story was terrible. I mean, it was fun, but it was fun in a terrible way because it was just completely linear, predictable games workshop, dawn of war campaign stuff. I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it almost as much for its camp value as for the real story it was telling. Do you remember the names of any of the characters? No, God, no. Exactly. Cyrus. 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 That's right. He was like the scout dude, right? Yeah, he was scout. Well well uh, played. Well, there we go. uh, Chris. (laughs) It's usually a Chris. I don't think so. (laughs) There was, uh, was it Abaddon? Abaddon? Avidon, Avidon, Avidan. They didn't tell me there was going to be a test. Uh, I'm pretty sure. You, you only knew Cyrus because you're such a big Hannah Montana fan. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh snap! Yeah. I, mean, I think other other strategy games that are probably worth mentioning um, in this podcast as you know ones that have done something RPG-ish are you know like the Homeworld games. And uh, or the myth games where you know units carry over, and so you know that kind of right. vests you a little bit in the in the, in those you know in those characters, and they're they're also pretty good story driven games, which another trait that people associate with RPGs. Yeah, I mean that happened in Pan- like you mentioned at the beginning, it happened in Panzer General too, though, right? Yep. Your guys got experience and they would go to the next campaign. Right. Right. So and that happens in obviously in XCOM. So. I mean, I think that, I think that the that the a thing that other genres can learn, learn from role playing games is to have other stuff going on that doesn't have. I mean, that just like there's like the background. Um, I think one of the best. Um, I remember when when Deslock and I uh, played uh, EverQuest two, and uh, we would just run around the uh, whatever that main city was, and uh, the the sort of extraneous, uh, you know, characters that, that the, the NPCs that weren't even regular NPCs, they were just people doing the regular stuff. Um, it sort of it, was, it really gave the illusion of the of the um, of the uh, of the city being an actual city and not just a bunch of place where places where you went yeah. and, and and clicked on things. I think it did a really good job of that. And I think that any sort of I think any strategy game can 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 get a, a deeper sense of setting if if, if the uh, designers will invest more time and stuff like that. I think it adds a lot to the game. I think uh, Deslock was saying um, how much that added to uh, um, to Oblivion. Uh, what was the game that... Uh, um, it, it's, it, it's slipping my mind here. There was another game where there was a lot of, a lot of stuff where uh, uh, it just had... Extraneous. Oh, the Gothic series you like for that reason, right. right? Yeah, that's it. And the Ultima series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which they're both kind of inspired by. But some 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 RTSs have done you know on a limited scale that kind of stuff. You know, like the Command and Conquer series or Dark Reign. You know, they they'd have NPC characters that are kind of neutral. You know, that will, will that you can bomb or they can get into it. Some kinds will help your 
your side or fight against you. You know, it's not. I, I can't think of a game that's really done a really good job with that kind of thing, but maybe uh, Majesty. Majesty. Well, Majesty is its own its own separate whole thing where you know everybody's an NPC and everybody's doing their own. I mean, you're only in, sort of uh, indirectly influencing what's going on in the game. So um, I think in that sense, everybody, the whole game is just its own little NPC land that you kind of try to um, throw things in, uh, you know. At, Every now and then. And in the new Majesty, you will actually be able, which I'm reviewing for Crispy Gamer, you're able to bring uh, some units along with you from one mission to the next. You can appoint lords from your advanced heroes and then summon them to help you out. Hmm. Is that good? It's it's all right. It's all 7. right. Seven point nine. Yeah, seven point exactly. Seven point nine, seven point five, somewhere in there. But I haven't played. I haven't decided if it's going to be a buy or a try yet. Uh, Excellent. All right. But it's somewhere. Uh, in three, the the patented crispy gamer three point scale. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but it has it has is a lot more direct intervention now than there was in the original. Um, it still has a lot of role playing stuff going on, of course. And, uh, everyone gains levels, yada yada yada. Uh, but uh, you resurrection, you can you can just resurrect directly from the graveyard if you have enough gold to do it. You don't have to use a spell, so you can resurrect as many as you want. Um, that's not really how it was in those times. Oh, did they find out that that's actually how it happened? So they had to change. I I, I think some new archaeological research has discovered that right around Stonehenge. Got it. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. They should they should patch the old game too, so that it's all historically accurate. Historical accuracy. It's all about historical. Yeah, the, the the game notes in the manual are a little bit sparse and not well footnoted, but mm, yeah. Well, we can take care of that. I'm sure that somebody at some point will publish all that on the internet. Historical revisionists. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly the problem. So I have a question for Deslock. If if I'm Let's say, for some reason, I'm not buying Dragon Age because I have something against the city of Edmonton or something like that. Uh, but I really want to play uh, some kind of strategy role-playing game. But what, what's coming up or what's been released recently that I could I could play? Well, on the D&D front, the, the Neverwinter Nights 2 is, is relatively recent, and it has uh, a couple expansions that are, that are that are that have come out in... One one earlier this year, so quite recently, and that one is uh, involves a pretty open-ended campaign where you basically just live your life and chop up things as much as you want. So I mean that might that kind of thing might appeal to strategy gamers mm-hmm. because obviously the combat is is very strategic and uh, you can sit down and play a few battles on your own in, in a relatively short period of time. Some people complain about RPGs is obviously you do have to invest a fair amount of time to really get anywhere and. Mm-hmm. That kind of game is where, where you can just sit down and play for an hour and have a few fun battles, I think, could appeal to strategy gamers. Other than that, I mean, Fallout 3, I, I think with its kind of pause and designate it. targets. I hated the combat. Some people love it. Oh, the, uh, you, so you hated the combat in Fallout 3? Why? Too easy for you? Too hard for you? Because there's no point. You just point at the guy's head and shoot. Uh, it gets more interesting than that. Yeah, I mean, not, not all characters or creatures are are are, are mostly vulnerable by the head. I mean, uh, there's different. You can target different body parts for different effects. I just it seemed it was. Really, I also played it on the. I'll say I played Fallout Three to the extent that I played it on the PS3. So I don't know if is it is the PC version substantially different. No. 
Well, Same. well, the PC version is substantially different only because there's nine million mods that make it a better game. Right. Really? And the graphics yeah. look a, much, yeah. a lot better on a modern PC. Uh, okay. But I don't know. I just. It just didn't seem I, there just didn't seem to be anything to the combat when I played. Yeah, it. I, I would definitely wouldn't say it's the most. I, I wouldn't hold it out as an example of the greatest strategic um, combat. No, I actually think not the, at all. Yeah, not at all. The original Fallout games, you didn't have total control over everything that was happening in the combat, but I, I think tactically they were more fun that, that combat wise, I like because of the turn based mechanic. Yeah. And also Fallout Brotherhood of Tactics, or whatever it was called. No. Fallout Tactics. <laughs> don't get, don't confuse, too, because there's Fallout Brotherhood of Steel, which is terrible. Right. And then there's Fallout Tactics, which is okay. kind, of, kind of like a Jagged which, Alliance type Which thing. is pretty yeah. good. Pretty darn good. Yeah, Fallout, yeah, Fallout Tactics. That's the one, yeah. And you can get it for like four bucks on good old games right now. Really? Yeah. Oh, there we go. There's our plug for good old games. Sponsor us. Yes. It's linked to this at the bottom of this podcast. Yes. I love good old games. Yeah? Yes, Good Old Games is great. That's God Games, right? God Games or something like that? Yeah, God Games. They sponsor that other podcast I do. Yeah, I know. You probably eat up their entire advertising budget. (laughs) $11. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Almost triggered off. And there's there's the Godzilla alert telling us that. <laughs> it's a commercial break. Yeah, there you go. And now back to the wonderful podcast. <laughs> Our things. How are you guys? So we're talking about, um, we deal with the issue of character development again. I want to get back to something that I would like to see more of uh, in strategy games, is developing an individual soldier, an individual a general, an individual commander, uh, they learn skills. I can't think of very many games that have done that very well. I mean, some pick up skills almost randomly uh, in the Total War games, for example. Uh, your generals gain experience and get little skills uh, based on how they perform. If they perform really poorly in the battlefield, they'll get a coward trait or something, which you have no control over, and I think that's really not a good role-playing mechanic, because as Deathlock says, it's not a character trait that I've had any real influence in, except for the fact I suck as a general. I don't need to be reminded <laughs> over and over again, you suck, so your guy's a coward now, thanks to you. Uh, well, the, the Heroes of Might and Magic game are probably a good example yes. of where you have a commander yes. like that that you improve. That's that's actually, that's the whole key to that game, is is picking the right skills for your different, for your different, uh, uh, you know, crag hack, the barbarian or whatever, and uh, uh, you know, getting them better offense and defense or whatever. Um, and uh, don't forget the wonderful game uh, East India Trading Company, which uh, your captains get all sorts of uh, skills so that to make them better captains. Yeah, but right. they well they can, but they level up. So slowly, and then they die. Well, you shouldn't let them die. Well, that's because they're not. Well, no, they they retire because they get old. I don't. They don't die in battle. They die because they're old. I mean, they're like fifty years old. They take over a ship. Yes, I know. That's how it was back in the East India Company days. Yes, I know. The warmongers get what they deserve. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we saw some movies today that that that, uh, are along those lines that uh, just demonstrate that uh, you know. 
war is bad, so we shouldn't play computer games about it. I think probably right. So yeah, starting next week, yeah. we're going to turn this entire podcast over to two for Facebook games. Yeah. <laughs> hey, social networking is the, is the way of the future. Um, you should write a feature article about that some and for somebody, and I'll read it. Um, what about um, uh, as far as are there any war games where yeah you have are there but I guess there are war games where like Patton becomes like an even better general or he has like a better air superiority uh, where he actually succeeds in wiping out the Russians yeah exactly yeah right yeah it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't get that good huh I guess you can we can only dream about that. I mean, the idea of character, I mean, character-based strategy game is certainly out there. I mean, think of uh, Crusader Kings, uh, Paradox's wonderful uh, medieval court simulator, which is more. I've never played that. Well, it's more soap opera played. than it is. It's certainly worth playing. It's my favorite of their games, even if it's not really their best. Um, it's kind of a medieval soap opera type thing, uh, where you. Run a royal. You want to run a royal court, and you have to put claims on lands. It's all the strategic stuff. You have to conquer territory, fight the crusades. But really, the nuts and bolts of the game is managing your court and making sure your vassals stay loyal and raising good and wise children as certain events pop up, <laughs> and uh, trying to deal with that. And how do you placate the vassal? And do you want to kill your? That sounds a little bit too much like real life. Do, do, you, your wife hasn't born you any children. Do you? You can't divorce her, so do you kill her? Do you let her get sick? Uh, all kinds of fun little stuff like that. And it's a wonderful little uh, character-based strategy game. Um, I'm not sure if it's really a role-playing game because you do the character you play changes so often um, based on whoever inherits uh, that throne. So, but it is as far as a character-based strategy game, I think it's probably one of the best. Still a lot of random elements in it, but I would recommend it. You know what I, I will mention, which uh, guy, game probably you guys have never heard of, is a game called On Guard. Uh, I think you need to look that up on Google and uh, have a link at the bottom of this podcast. An offensive game? Because, uh, it's, uh, that's pretty much exactly what that is. It's a role-playing game about uh, sort of like... Um, uh, the the three musketeers times and there's a there's an extensive fencing simulation plus all sorts of stuff about like uh you know royal marriage and uh getting into the military and getting a commission it's almost it's a, it's almost it has a it has a traveler aspect to it um but uh, it's definitely role playing and it's definitely strategy and it's only pen and paper and uh you should uh, ah okay I've, I've seen it. Now that you said yeah. pen and paper, now I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here it is. Yeah. I found it on the Google. Oh, the Google. Like D'Artagnan, each player on On Guard starts as a young man arriving in Paris. Now he must find his feet in Parisian society. On Guard players go. may be noblemen, gentlemen, or peasants. Yeah. Accomplished swordsmen or not know which end of a sword to hold. Now, what would be the fun in that? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, and then it's actually a great multiplayer game because I think you have actions that you take each month, and uh, you have to sort of you. Um, uh, Act- everybody submits Act- actions you take each month, kind of like playing Dominions Three with Julian and Tom. Exactly. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, perfect. That's perfect. just mean. Yeah. So how does this fit into the whole strategy role-playing thing? I think it's the perfect strategy role-playing hybrid. I think somebody should make a computer port of it. And the strategy part is? Oh, the... Uh, the well, actually, every the whole thing is strategy because... Uh, you choose your actions, it's role-playing, but there's also a definite strategy element to it because you get uh, renown or like fame or something like that, and then uh, you might both, like mo- more than one player might take a certain action that puts you in conflict, and then you have this very uh, interesting uh, uh, fencing uh, tactical game that you have to play. So there's definitely a lot of strategy in that. So. More, more interesting than insult sword fighting? Then what? Insult sword fighting? Person okay. Never mind. Is that is that uh, like rock, paper, scissors, Spock, something, something that you invented the other week? Yes, exactly. Okay. Awesome. Well, good work. Well, we're rolling up here on the 50-minute mark, uh, which is <laughs> when we usually like to cut out, though Tom usually pushes us well over the hour uh, line. Um, anything we should look forward to in role-playing games besides Dragon Age in the upcoming four months, upcoming year, Deslock? For strategy gamers? Right. Not so much. For, for anyone. Um, a lot, the, the Europeans are still doing a lot of interesting stuff that gets overlooked. Uh, Ryzen is coming up, which is uh, by the same guys who did the Gothic series, and it looks really good. And it, it Similar to games like Oblivion, it features, you know, a, a, the virtual world kind of school of design for RPGs. So, really interesting place to explore and adventure with scripted NPC behavior, and uh, and and just completely wide open. I, I think they're they're great games. I think that that could easily be the RPG of the year uh, coming up. And it's called again. So, it's called again. Ryzen R I S E N. So it's not Risen. Or risen. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad mood and rising. That's a Canadian pronunciation. I'm Canadian. Or I used to be. Yeah, well, there you go. Not, not in any meaningful way. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard one A out of you yet. That's right. Because out in the East Coast, we don't say A. No, you said bye is a bye. Exactly. I will say that uh, shortly after this podcast is over, uh, Deslock and I are going to get some poutine. It's true. It's on the agenda. He insists on poutine. Oh. So that's gonna, that's your Canadian content for you. Now you can. This can be sponsored by the Arts Council of Canada. That's all it takes. Damn. Damn. Judging by some of the movies we saw at the Toronto Film Festival, yeah. that's that's pretty much all it takes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Certainly doesn't take any skill or talent. No. Anyway, guys. Well, there we go. Pleasure to well. uh, you. Pleasure to. Thanks for joining us, uh, Deslock. Uh, our Dominion's three update is Julian. I, I'm not the last one out. I've got my turn ready. I'm sending it now. It's Tom. I'm sending it now. Yeah, Tom's on the road. Uh, we hope he comes back safely uh, next week. Speaking of the road, going to see that tomorrow. Oh, well, you'll uh, tell us how it is, right? Not, Tom doesn't like spoilers, but you can tell me if it's any good, right? You can tell us. Just just uh, watch uh, Deslock's uh, Twitter. Yes, uh, Deslock's Twitter is full of Toronto International Film Festival updates, um, all kinds of 
neat little things if you're following him. Um, he's also been Twittering his experiences with Dragon Age and uh, some conservative propaganda, which you can probably try to block out. Uh, <laughs> or, or risk educating yourself. Yes. <laughs> and no one wants to be educated. Uh, Re-educate. Thank you for joining us. Uh, say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone. You didn't bring your rap music with you to Toronto? There you go. Godzilla rap. Perfect.